today. Happy Father's Day. If I have not met you, I'm Jeff Kerr. My wife, Christy, and I are the pastors here. We love that there are new people joining us. I'd love to meet you after the service, but really, we just want you to feel welcome today. If you're a dad here, happy Father's Day. And by the way, on Father's Day, dads, if you wake up and this is the one day where you're like, I get to do whatever I want, and you come to church, that's a good sign. So thanks for being with us today. Thanks for leading the way in that. Um, we are going to uh, continue in the book of Psalms. We're going to do a series through the book of Psalms, uh, highlight, highlighting one each week through the weeks of the summer. We have an opportunity uh, through the month of July to hear from some of our other pastors. They're going to do a great job with that. I just invite you to kind of join along with us um, as we look through the book of Psalms. One thing next week with due days. So due days is like the big Farmington kind of community days. So there's going to be stuff all week. Um, we're involved in the bed races on Friday night. Um, we're helping with a few things, and then there's karaoke. And if you do want to sign up to actually sing, you can get your name top on the list right now and pick the song. We do have a rule, uh, Let It Go by Frozen can only be sung 16 times this year. So you're going to need to get in early on that one. Um, that one. That one got a workout last year. <laughs> Uh, next week, so during the weekend, next week, next Sunday, the outdoor service, I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be chairs in there. I'll find out, and we'll put an email out. All the streets are going to be blocked off with inflatables and carnival games, so it might be an adventure getting in getting in here next Sunday, but we'd love to have you join us uh, 9 o'clock in here and then 1030 under the, under the big tent. So Psalm 46 we're going to be in today. Psalm 46, we're going to read through that. And here's the thing with Psalm 46. Not only are we going to look at it today in our message, but this summer is another scripture memory challenge at Homestead Community Church. I think that deserves a little more excitement could have been good there for scripture memory challenge. We, uh, we stopped actually calling it a challenge and called it an opportunity. Scripture memory opportunity. Here's the deal. We've done this a couple of times a year as we started the church. We believe it is good for us to memorize scripture. Participation has been lacking from the grown-up ages. The kids do it. The teenagers do it. They put us to shame. But we are going to memorize Psalm 46 this summer. It's 11 verses. We can memorize 11 verses. We had our, our daughter's wedding was in here on Friday night. There were people in the room um, that would say to me, I can't memorize things. I just can't remember things. I just, my memory doesn't work that good. Yet they knew every word to yeah by Usher on the <laughs> dance floor. Every word. So I'm like, you know this. Speaking of which, you know, it's easier to remember things when we put it to music or to to rhyme or something like that. And that is interesting to look at the book of Psalms. As we're looking at Psalm 46 today, if, you're, if you have your Bible, usually it's kind of right in the middle of the Bible somewhere. The book of Psalms didn't start out as a whole book. It's a collection of poems, of writings, of prayers, of, of songs that the nation of Israel would recite together or sing together. It also gives us unique perspective into kind of the thoughts and the emotions behind some of the events that were happening. So, for example, you've got King David when he's hiding from his son Absalom, when Absalom is trying to take over the kingdom. You have not only through some of the other books, Kings and Chronicles, those books you hear about the actual events, but you can look through Psalms and you'll find a psalm that David wrote, a poem or a song that he wrote communicating what he was feeling, what he was thinking through that time. It gives a unique insight into some of the historical events in the Old Testament. 
Um, but it is a book of poems or prayers or songs to learn about God, to learn about the history of Israel. So we have great access today to the written word. We can go online. We can learn whatever we want. Back when these psalms were written down or before that, it would just be something that was recited. People would learn it by hearing it, by hearing it read, or they would sing it together. And this was a way for them to remember the history and the story of the nation of Israel, to remember some of the things that King David, even Moses wrote some of these psalms that he would write, to remember what God did for the nation of Israel because they didn't have it all written down. And then when the nation of Israel was conquered and put into exile, um, that was the first time they collected some of these things that would have just been recited and learned from hearing it from other people. And they started writing them down, and they said, we've got this season in our history where all the people are scattered throughout the Babylonian Empire. We better write some of these things down so that we can commit these to memory, so that we have them, so that we have the heritage of our faith, so that we remember what God did. This is what the book of Psalms is all about. And a lot of these were set to music, as I said, because we learn things way better when we can sing it right? So maybe we'll put Psalm 46 to a song, and then we can sing it by the end of the summer. You know, this is how we learned our ABCs, right? Somebody sang us the ABC song, and it wasn't that they gave us a sheet of paper and said, learn these. They sang the ABCs. We learned by that. Some of you memorized the presidents of the United States through a song, or the states and the capitals. I remember studying for history exams, and there would be different details that I needed to memorize, and maybe I'm weird this way, but I would commit, like, there would be kind of a rhyme, or a, you know, I would almost put it to, like, a song where it would kind of have a, a rhythm to it, and that would make it way easier for me to memorize. That was how I would study for a lot. You could tell I had a lot of friends back then, right? I was, back when all the cool kids were partying, I was memorizing the Soviet Republic names or something like that. This is, what we, this is why the book of Psalms is there, and you'll see that if you read it. A lot of them say, for the director of music, for the director of music, it would be a song that they would sing. We used to sing a lot of songs in church growing up, and if you read through the book of song, Psalms, you'll recognize, oh, we used to sing a song that was right out of here. And um, It was great that we had songs that we remember growing up singing in church that were right out of Scripture. This is why we come into an environment like this on a Sunday morning, and we sing songs together. Not just to get ready for karaoke party, but some of you are like, I don't like to sing. The reason we do this is because it causes us to be mindful and to memorize the characteristics of God. The verses that we sing that are right out of scripture sometimes, that is so that we can have these things committed to memory. So that when you're walking through a storm, you can re remember, when I, f when I fight, I fight on my knees. The battle belongs to the Lord. In every season, he has been faithful. All my life you have been faithful. These things that we were singing today is so that it can get rooted in our life in a way that only songs can do that. This is why we pick songs that talk about God. It's why it's good to pick songs that are right out of Scripture, that have Scripture verses in there. That used to be easier 20 years ago, 30, 40, 50 years ago, when a lot more songs were written right out of Scripture. Today it seems like a lot of songs are written in church that are just more like yeah, yeahs, woo-hoos, and, and laser sounds and stuff like that. But we want to pick songs that are right out of Scripture that talk about the characteristics of God so that we can have them rooted in our life. So this is really what the book of Psalms is about. So because we're looking at Psalm 46 today, and because we're all going to 
commit this to memory this summer. I thought we could start by reading it together. Let's stand together. I'm going to be reading out of Psalm 46, uh, out of uh, an NIV translation. If you have a different translation that you want to memorize, that's totally great. Um, but here's what we're going to read today. Psalm 46, 11 verses in the NIV. Let's read it all together. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time, the teaching of your word today. I pray that more and more we would have the truths of your word, truths of scripture anchored in our lives, that it would be the foundation that we build our lives on. We want to draw near to you today, and I pray that you would speak to each of us as we look into your word today. Amen. You can be seated. That's Psalm 46. A little bit, we're going to kind of talk about three kind of themes of that song, but a little bit of just insight into that, that psalm. God's dwelling place, when it talks about God's dwelling place, in the Old Testament, God would dwell, his presence dwelt in an actual place, in the temple, in the city of Jerusalem. So when you see the words, the city of God, and sometimes you read the word Zion or God's dwelling place, it's talking about Jerusalem. Obviously, it's referring to things bigger than that, but it's talking about a lot of times they would recite these songs when they were walking to Jerusalem for one of the festivals or Passover or one of the festivals that they would go to Jerusalem. And they would recite these in anticipation of being in the presence of God because it was in a building in the city of Jerusalem. Now, in the New Testament times, we know that God's presence is no longer in the temple, in a building. You don't come into this building to experience God's presence. God's presence dwells in his people. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's presence is in us. So now when we read these psalms, recognizing all of these things that talk about the nearness of God's presence, when we recognize that that is in us as the people of God, that is amazing. God's dwelling place, referring here literally to the city of Jerusalem, the city of God. And what the psalmist is communicating to those who are reading it, and back then to those who were singing it or reciting it, is that there is great peace that is afforded to God's people because we know God is near. There's great peace afforded to God's people when we recognize God is near, that we are near to God's presence. He is with us. He is working for us on our behalf, for our good. He is making a way for us through any storm. I love it. The refuge and strength in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the battle. Our God speaks and the wars cease. Our God speaks and he can move mountains. This is the peace that's afforded to us knowing that we are near God's presence. Amen? 
This is what we have as the people of God. There's also a recognition as you read through this. I kind of sensed this, that the, the, the people who would read this would kind of have a recognition that says this. Sure, every nation has gods. Every nation has idols and things that they worship. But our God is the God, the one God, the God that created the heavens and the earth. What reassurance comes our way when we recognize the God of the universe is close to us? Imagine that, you individually, the God of the universe, close to you, dwelling with you, dwelling in you, his presence with you. Such great peace that we should have that is available to us. And that's what I want us to get today is this peace and reassurance and safety that we have in the presence of God. So I want to break this down into kind of three different sections, three different themes that this psalm is not broken down into these themes, um, but this is kind of how I wanted to break it down today in the, into three parts. And the first one is this idea of a refuge, a refuge. In the first three verses, you see this idea and the word refuge mentioned. Verse one through three, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, because he's with us, therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Just great visual imagery of like a, a world falling apart. The mountains shaking, the seas raging like a, could be a storm or a battle or whatever it is. The imagery there is when everything is falling apart, the world is actually coming apart at the seams. We recognize that God is our refuge and our strength. Refuge would be a shelter in the storm, a shelter that is a firm foundation. Uh, uh, when it talks about a strength, almost like a, we've talked about the word stronghold, referring, sometimes we refer to the, like the plans of the enemy, like an enemy stronghold that's reinforced and is harder to conquer. Um, God is talking about his presence as a good stronghold for us, not conquerable, not easily conquered, very secure and safe. So the imagery here is, in the midst of whatever storm you are in, there is a shelter that is secure and safe that you feel at rest and at peace because you are in God's presence. Have you ever been, so I'll, I'll you know, describe it this way. There's times where we've all been caught in a storm, right? Maybe you're out and it starts pouring rain or the winds are howling. And how does it feel when you finally get inside and you can warm up? When you're out of the wind and out of the rain maybe sitting by a fire or something, you feel that warmth and you're just like, oh, there's like a physical kind of exhale of, oh, this feels good, right? Maybe you've been in a storm. Have you ever been in a storm and your shelter that you were in was not safe and secure? Maybe you're out in a boat in the middle of the storm when the waves start roaring around or you're camping in a tent and the wind is whipping around everywhere and or you're in a house and you're like, I don't, this whole thing feels like it's shaking and I think I might be better off outside of this shelter right now because... You know, have you ever felt that, like your shelter is not secure? And the difference between that when you're in a place where you do feel safe and you're like, oh, I feel cared for. Could be with a family member. It could be with a friend. It could be in an environment. Could be in the basement of a house where you know the storm is raging outside, but you feel safe and secure where you are. This is the imagery that we have of our God in our life. That feel that we have should be the same physical, actual feelings that we have, knowing this is a real protection that God is giving me. I am safer in the care of God than any earthly shelter, than any earthly protection, because God is my refuge and strength, and he is the one true God. Amen? This is what is afforded to us as God's people. 
And that feeling of peace and security should be there. When it talks about that he is an ever-present help in times of trouble, ever-present, very present, right there. This is the imagery, right? Like easily findable. It's, it's not hard to find the presence of God. It's right there. It's Father's Day, so I'm going to use this as an example. Husbands and fathers, we have this ability to not be able to see things that are ever-present right there in front of us, right? Honey, have you seen my keys? And they're right there. And the only time they're visible to us is when our wives or someone else comes in and says they're right there in front of you. And then they appear in our vision, right? Before they were hard to find. There's times where I'll say, Christy, have you seen my car keys? And I know they're right in front of me somewhere. And I hear the footsteps of Christy. And in that moment, I'm frantic. I'm like, keys, keys, keys. I know they're going to appear. And I'm like, it's the game to try to find them before she does. There's something about us that we can't see things sometimes that are right in front of our face. God is not that way. God is there, ever-present, right there, easily findable. An ever-present strength and refuge from the storm, no matter what you are facing. That is a great aspect of our God. A great aspect of our God, that he is there, very present, easily findable. A position of strength and protection in our lives. The next theme, the first was refuge. The next theme I want to highlight is the idea of restoration. Restoration. God is a refuge and God is a restoration for us. Verse 4 and 5. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Again, this was referring literally to the temple in Jerusalem, but now this refers to us, your life. Apply that to your life right now, your heart right now. There is a river. What does a river do? Why are cities built near rivers? Because they need a water supply to bring nourishment, to bring ways to water the crops and to give water to the animals, to provide fresh water. Fresh water is life. So cities would be, if you were near a water source, that was hugely advantageous. What the psalmist is saying here is that the presence of God is like having a fresh stream of water flowing in your life and through your life, constantly flowing, bringing restoration, bringing healing, the things that bring the advantages that a city has being near a presence of water. This is the river of God's presence in our life. It's a metaphor for his nearness to us. God is in your midst. God is bringing nourishment and strength and refreshing. All the advantages and strength that comes because we are connected to the Most High God like a river of life flowing through us. One of the commentaries I read this week as I was studying The Expositor's Bible Commentary said this. It's a quote I have up on the screen. I want to read it for you. You can see it. The river in this passage of Scripture is a metaphor of blessing and restoration. The help of God at the break of dawn suggests that in the darkness of distress, the people of God know that the Lord will not let them suffer unduly long. His acts of unfailing love are renewed each morning. Like the faithfulness of a sunrise, that's the faithfulness of God. Every day it's there. Every day you can count on it. And I love that he, this, this uh, commentary referred to in the darkest of night, in the darkest of night, you can know that the sunrise is coming. And it's as faithful as that sunrise is. Have you ever been in through a dark night and all of a sudden you see the sun rising and you can just feel the difference? This is the presence of God. In the darkest season you are in, you know that the faithfulness of God is there every day, every day, every day. 
God is not going to leave his people alone. He is there with you, reminding you daily that he is there. And whatever you are in, whatever season you are in, if you're feeling dry and wilted and worn out, you need a season of restoration or refreshing. This is the presence of God. Actual, physical feeling better because you know that you are in the presence of God, allowing yourself to be at peace and rest and to let go of some of the stress because you know that God is with you, caring for you no matter what the storm that you are in. Amen? This is the presence of God. And finally, I want to look at this, and we'll spend a little more time on this third idea. The rest of the psalm really is a reassurance, a reassurance for us, reminding us, reassuring us that God is not only with us, but that God is over everything. God is in authority over everything. God is in charge of everything. So I want to read the rest of these verses, 6 through 11. And this is really referring to all the things that are happening in the world, and yet all of them are under the authority of our God who loves us. Verse 6, it says this. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, and he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. When you read God referring to himself as, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He would refer to himself, I'm the God of your father, Isaac, of your father, Abraham. What he's saying is, I'm the same God. I'm the same God that has been with you since the beginning of time. All the things we read about, all the miracles in the Old Testament, the same God moving in your life today. The section of this psalm reassures us that God is over everything. God is over every nation, every kingdom on the earth, every ruler, every authority God is over, every circumstance, every gas price that you're going to pay this summer, God is over it. So if that's stressing you out, you can let, you can, well, you can maybe blame God for it. I don't know. You can just recognize that God is in charge of all of these things. So if there is anything going on in your life, in our community, in our city or nation or around the world, it could be a war and conflict around the world, it could be all the conflict going on in our nation right now, anything that's causing you to wring your hands and to worry if it's something going on in your life, a physical need, a financial need, a relationship need, whatever it is that is causing you to stress and to worry, you recognize that God is in control of that. God is over that. God is in authority over that. If you are seeking refuge and reassurance from anything else other than God, if you're looking for a kingdom of this world or a bank statement or a diagnosis from your doctor or peace and harmony in our nation's government or whatever it is or the end of the war overseas, if you're looking for peace and reassurance in any of these things, you are always going to be lacking because those things were never designed to fill you with peace and security. The one thing that fills you with peace is knowing that God is like a river flowing through you no matter what you face. No matter what you face. And there are people in the room today that are facing really, really difficult things. Be assured, reassured, God is with you. He is over 
everything. And you might not know why he's working the way he's working. You might have a lot of questions for him. There are things that I walk through where I'm like, I don't understand why God's doing this. But I can always count on the fact that he is close by, that he is watching over our lives, that he is moving in situations that we can't see, that we are safe like a refuge in the storm in his presence. So if you are stressed out today about something, find reassurance that God is working, that God is in control. If the church of Jesus Christ, not just Homestead Church, but every church that is worshiping God, the people of God around the world, if the church of Jesus is stressed out and anxious because of what's going on in our world, that is a sign that we are looking elsewhere for the peace that only God provides. We need to reprioritize our focus and say, God, you are first and foremost, and in you is peace and refuge and strength. So if you are worried Fix your eyes on Jesus. If you are anxious, if the church is anxious about what's going on in our world, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, knowing that he is our refuge in the storm. Amen? The presence of God has real impact in our world. This is not just, I'm not just saying this today, and the psalmist isn't just writing this so that we all kind of feel good on the inside, like, oh, I feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. We pray and we recognize that the presence of God in our world makes a difference. So those of you in the room who are going through a season of storm, we pray because God will move mountains. We pray believing that God's going to perform miracles. For those in the room who are facing a health diagnosis, we pray because we believe that God, that makes a difference. It's not just feeling like, oh, I, I you know, metaphorically believe that God's there. We know the presence of God is real and active and moving in our world, in our bodies, in our nation, in everything. And we know that he is in authority. And so we pray with faith and say, God, I want to know that you are moving and I'm reassured that you are near to me in this storm. And that's why we pray for God to move. That's why we can find rest in the midst of a storm seems counterintuitive, right, in the midst of the storm to find that season of rest. Um, it's Father's Day weekend. My, my dad, I don't think he's here. I think he's coming to the next service. They were in town for our wedding that we had on Friday night. And my dad is, is uh, notorious for moments like this where this, the, 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 it could be frantic everywhere around in the house, and he'll just be kind of walking around, peeling a peach, and just enjoying the, the scenery and just like at a glacial pace, just moving freely and just enjoying the environment. My dad has this deeply wired into him, and, and times when I start behaving that way, Christy just lets me know, you're being John Kerr <laughs> right now, which means you better pick up the pace. <laughs> but there, it's not counterintuitive with the presence of our God to recognize in the midst of all the frantic storm and all the hand-wringing and worrying that we have a peace about us that should be evident there should be people coming up to us and be like, how can you be so calm with everything going on in our world? And you say, it's nothing to do with what's going on in the world or nothing to do with anything I'm doing. It's the peace that comes knowing that God is a refuge and strength in the midst of the storm. There's another psalm that we know well, and maybe you're thinking we should have. It's Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And you're thinking, why can't we memorize that one? You know, I'm already halfway there. But There's a line in that psalm that I have been reading over and over this year several times, that you prepa he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And that's a weird visual. 
because in the psalm, in the day when someone wrote that, it would be a very literal, like, the war, we're on the battlefield right now. There's the enemies, and spears and arrows are flying, and all the other weapons of war are happening, and there's carnage and everything going on, and God comes in and sets a table, almost like John Kerr in that moment. You think, what are you doing? Like, sets a table, and, the, and God comes and says, why don't you sit down and rest I've got food here. I've got nourishment. You're safe and you're protected. All of us in our human wisdom in that moment would say, this is not the time, God, right? This is, this is read the room, God. This is a terrible moment to sit down and eat. We're in the middle of the battle. And yet God says, no, 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 you're safe. Even in the midst of the battle, sit down, rest, be nourished. I've got this. It's a reminder that I've, I'm in charge of the battle. Nothing's going to happen to you while you're abiding here eating at the table. This is what our God does. And as much as that doesn't make sense in our mind, this is what Psalm 46, again, is reminding us. We can be still and know that he is God. In the midst of the storm, we can be still and know. Another story that has my, has my father involved. Um, I remember I was 11 years old, and we had just moved from Toronto, Canada, out to Western Canada into Calgary, Alberta, where the Rocky Mountains are. And so we were in the Rocky Mountains, and all of a sudden we lived there, and we're like, well, we should learn how to ski, downhill ski. Now, Minnesotans, you don't understand downhill skiing because you think Buck Hill. That is not downhill skiing. That's barely downhill. Like, I, I have a hard time skiing there because I feel like I just got up to speed and the run's over. And I'm like, that was very, why do we even need chairlifts here? But in the mountains, so we went skiing in Lake Louise in Banff. Now, people from all over the world come to Banff and Lake Louise. It's a great tourist area. Huge mountains, and we were learning how to ski. And so there's easy hills, and then there's more difficult hills. And I was kind of learning brand new, and you, you make the snow plow, you turn your skis into the piece of pizza, and then you go across, and then you learn, and I was doing that again, and my dad decided he wanted to go on this run. It was like this big open, what they call a bowl, so this big open area, and it was a harder run. It was really steep. I began to freak out because I thought my life was over, and I'm trying to do the pizza, and it's really steep, and in that moment, while I'm like fretting and worrying, I can hear my dad, and I remember this so clearly, my dad saying, but look at the scenery. <laughs> and I remember very clearly, and we tell this story to each other often, I remember yelling loudly, I do not care about the scenery right now. That moment I was worried about all the things and I had lost sight of kind of the bigger picture that was going on. I made it down the hill that day and I learned to love skiing and I miss being in Lake Louise. But this is what God does in those moments when we're worried. He prepares a table. He says, just take your eyes off your circumstance and look around and I've got this. And it's going to be a way out of this. And This is what we receive from Psalm 46 today. That in the midst of the storm and the raging seas and the mountains shaking, whatever is going on in your life, that God is your stronghold. He can't be conquered. God cannot be conquered. And we're safe with him. This, this stronghold of God cannot be defeated. We are safe with him. And this stronghold is ever-present. An ever-present help in the time of trouble. It's easily findable. This unconquerable stronghold. And God is like a nourishing river flowing through your life bringing healing and nourishment and refreshing. And he's impacting our world. He is over all the cares of this world. We can rest in him. So I love how it kind of wraps up the last verses. Be still and know that I am God. Another translation says, cease your striving. You're working and you're toiling and you're fretting and your activity and trying to manage everything. Just let it go. 
for a little bit and realize that God is in control. Cease your striving and know that I am God. So how do we do this as we wrap up in a couple of minutes? How do we do this? Our part is to seek him, to draw near to him, to make sure that we are close to him, to abide in his presence, to acknowledge his rule, not only over all the kingdoms of the earth, but to acknowledge that he is in authority over your life. When we do that, when we draw near to him, that's when we experience this peace and this rest. This does not happen by a takeover. God is not going to force this on you. God's not going to come in you like an, a, like a sleep-deprived toddler that just is, you know, when your toddler was like throwing a temper tantrum, there was times where it was like, I'm going to give you a big dad hug until you recognize that you got to just give up and fall asleep, right? God's not going to do that. God's going to let you fret and worry all you want until you realize that you are powerless on your own, that you need to draw near to him. And we run around, and anytime your faith is, is similar to an overtired, hungry toddler, you know you're doing something wrong. Because we run around, and we get all worked up, and we just fret and worry, and there's something in us that just refuses to just let go and rest and take a deep breath. But this is what happens when we draw near to God, when we seek him. He's not going to do it for you, but he is there every time you draw near to him. He is not far, but you seek him. And instead of spending so much time and energy building up so much stress, worrying about managing all the stuff that God's in charge of, instead we just make every effort to be close to him, which means prioritizing time in the word, prioritizing prayer. When we come into a church service or throughout the week, prioritizing times of worship where we just allow ourselves to sing the truths of who God is, seeking him first, dwelling with him, I want to talk to the dads for a moment, and this applies to everybody, but dads, it's Father's Day. I want to encourage you. We dads can get all worked up about making sure everything is covered for our family and trying to control things and manage things, and it causes us to carry a lot of stress, right? And that stress can tend to suck the joy right out of us. And maybe if you're thinking, I'm not that way, I'm happy all the time. Maybe later you can ask your family, how am I doing at that? And maybe they'll tell you a different story, right? There's times, and I've been through seasons like this where I'm like, and maybe it's, it's rooted out of a desire to provide for your family, which is a good thing. But often it's rooted out of just an insecurity or a pride or a fear or a refusal to acknowledge that God is in control of your family and you are not. Right, But it, whatever it is, there are a lot of men wilting under the weight of life because we're trying to carry stuff that we were never meant to carry. And so if you're feeling like you're carrying the weight of the world for your kids or your family, recognize that's never yours to carry. God is moving. God is at work in your family. God can care for your family way better than you can care for your family. God can provide way better than you can provide. So for everybody, I want us to prioritize this resting in God, recognizing that he is taking care of us. It could be taking a Sabbath, taking a day where you don't work. That's good for us to rest physically, to kind of recharge. Our bodies are wired to need rest. But also spiritually, it's important for us to stop working and recognize God is providing even if I take a day off, the world is still turning. God is still in control, even if I let go for a little bit. This can be with our resources. We tend to hold on to our finances so closely and think this is what the security is. If I could just have this much in my savings account, then I would feel at peace. If I could have this much in my 401k in my retirement, and lately that's not been a good source of peace, right? But if I could just have this resource 
and I got to be stingy with it because this is where I get my peace and security from. We let go of that. This is why the Lord encourages us to be generous, to tithe, to give our resources. Same thing as a Sabbath where we recognize God is my provider. I can be generous with it. Here's a, here's a barometer for it. If you are, if you're wondering if your peace and security is found in how much money is your, in your savings account, throw a wedding for your daughter. And then you will kind of have these areas of your life revealed like, whoa, there's a lot of money flying out of here today. <laughs> I'm abiding in Christ. I'm a, Christy or Lucy would say, Dad, we need to buy this. Uh, I'm abiding in Christ. <laughs> Be still and know that he is God. There's so many things that we hold on so tightly to that we were never meant to carry because God has provided. Now, it's a physical shifting of we are so used to providing for ourselves, but let go, be still, and know that he is God. It could be something that comes down to a decision that you need to make, and there's times where we face decisions and we think, well, I can't be honest about this, or I can't tell them about this, or I can't let anybody know about this, or this decision might cost me money or it might mean I don't get a promotion or and all of these things and we like well how do I manage this and we start thinking well how can I handle this and do this and that it works out best for me how do we how do we do this as a God first thing is we just put him first and we say God what is the honoring thing for you what is the godly thing to do what is the thing what is the decision I can make that would line up with scripture and bring you glory in my life and then we can just trust that God is going to provide right so often we think well I can't do that because I have to manage this just do the thing that honors God and, and watch what he does. We've had people in the room this morning already that were faced with a decision and they were worried about if I, if I tell this to this person, there are going to be all sorts of ramifications. And they chose, I'm going to do the honoring thing to God. And things worked out. He's like, things worked out in a way I would have never dreamed of. Now, this is not a magic solution that everything always works out when we're honest, right? Sometimes we do the God honoring thing and it does cost us. And that's where we recognize where our faith is and say, God, I'm going to trust and believe in you anyways because I know that ultimately you are in authority over my life. Does that make sense? But do the thing that honors God. Do the thing that you put him first instead of all the ways we try to manage it. Put God first and then find your rest in him because he is close. He is a shelter in the storm. Amen? So as we close today, I just want to wrap up and just um, let's just have a moment of prayer. And as you kind of bow your heads and close your eyes, just apply this to whatever storms are in your life. So if we got 100 people in the room, there's probably 100 different circumstances of ways that we are battling through something right now. And just the very thought of it, you can feel that anxiety rise up. You can feel that knot in your stomach or that worry or your heart starts racing. Just the very thought of it. It's the thing that's keeping you up at night. It could be a physical need. We have people in our church that are sick and we are praying for God's healing. It could be a financial need. We have people in our church that are in need of help financially. Relational marriage. We have marriages in our church struggling. We have families walking through things. We have battles that are going on. And so whatever it is in your life that you're walking through battling, the, the mountains are shaking, the seas are raging, the storm is raging, just take a moment and even just physically a deep breath breathing in the presence of God, saying, God, I recognize that you are in control, that I will live for you and put you first. I will draw near to you. And though the mountains shake and the seas rage and the winds blow, I know that I am safe in you. I am in a stronghold of God's protection that is ever-present, bringing refuge and reassurance and restoration. 
So for every situation, God, I pray that we would all learn to abide in you and feel that peace that the psalmist writes about in Psalm 46 today. I pray that you would be very real and present in our lives in every circumstance. I pray this over everybody here, everyone listening to this, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.